Welcome to the Sports Sister podcast, where we bring together professional experts with grassroots pioneers to discuss key topics for grassroots sport. I'm Natalie Doyle, and this episode is a little bit different because usually at this point I'd be introducing my amazing guests. But for the final episode of season two, we're doing things a little bit differently. And I'm going to take you back through various episodes from the first two seasons and get you thinking about the importance of people and there's been some fantastic examples that have been given by our guests throughout the last two seasons that I wanted to tell you all about. First of all I want to take you back to the first episode of season two which was Lee Willis and he talked about how in his club he gets the right people into the right volunteering positions. It's a simple thing is their membership forms. Um, now hopefully now nowadays most clubs have cottoned on that you don't need to uh, break down low, uh, cut down loads and loads of trees uh, to uh, to produce reams and reams of paperwork um, that you can use online um, forms and stuff uh, to create a membership form. But within that form, um, certainly handy to, to to have a column or a question asking what the parent does for a job. Yeah, and um, we utilise that quite a bit when we're targeting specific sort of uh, roles that we want or support that we need. We would look at that membership form and go, ah, oh, yeah, we've got a list of 10 here that work in social media, or there's 10 plumbers here, or there's 10 this, you know. Um, and it's really, really handy. Um, and no, they can bounce one off against each other and get the best price. But, um, you know, it's, no, it's, it's again, a useful tool. And again, something that's simple and easy to do, you know. But a lot of, a lot of clubs still, they don't, aren't at that stage yet, are thinking about little things like that. That's great advice from Lee there. And such an easy, change that you can make to your existing membership forms just to try and gather that extra information and insight around your parents it was also something that Sophie touched on in episode five of season one and she talked about how she's utilized her network of parents and grandparents to try and get extra volunteers into her club with a really positive impact yeah and again that's a question I get asked quite a lot of you know from from colleagues or friends that also volunteer within the grassroots game and they'll often say to our football club you know how do you recruit your volunteers and I find that quite a difficult question to answer because the majority of our volunteers now have been in our club environment in a different capacity, whether that be a parent or whether that be a grandparent. And they've they've come to the session to watch their child or to support their family member. And actually, they've been impacted by the culture that we've been able to create. And we just recently hosted our end of season awards. And one of our Wildcats, she... She asked if she could say a few words, and it, it was it was it was brilliant because she said we're a family, and I think that's that's so important as well. So a lot of our volunteers now um, have started as as bringing their child, and now they're either a coach or a training coordinator um, that volunteer within our club. And what I'm really keen from from my perspective as a club chair is, you know, I don't put out an advert and say right we need a coach or we need somebody to take the subs. I'll say, look, does anybody want to get involved? And does anybody have time to give? And really give them the empowerment to go, actually, I do have some time and I've been so inspired by what you do. And I'm really, really, really good at organisation. Okay, well, we've got a job for you. We've got an incredible volunteer who, um, her role is to do cupcakes every time it's a Wildcats birthday. And it's phenomenal. And again, taking it back to our awards, we had Club Hero Awards for every active volunteer within our club. And she received one. She was astounded. Um, And it was our way of showing your impact is as significant as somebody else's because our girls get so excited when it's somebody's birthday. I mean, we've got that many now that it's nearly every week. So it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Not cake eating happening. (laughs) But it's just recognising 
everybody's commitment. And again, it's it's not saying, right, we need this role. It's actually saying, you've got some spare time. You've seen the impact this had on your child or your grandchild. You know, how would you like to contribute to our club? And we almost find that that's the way that we recruit. And we've got some fantastic people in some fantastic roles. And, and again, take it back to a, to a parent who started as a training coordinator, doing a fantastic job. She's now stepped across the line to coach. She's doing the BT Playmaker, now doing the level one. So I guess sometimes it's actually letting that natural process happen instead of thinking, right, I'm under pressure to find a coach. I'm under pressure to find this training. It's it's actually sometimes just creating the environment first to allow people to find out what's best for them and let them go at their own pace, really. And and that's something I find is 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 really, really important. And again, it's not just meeting the needs of the players, it's meeting the needs of the workforce behind our club that, that, that put on these good sessions for young people. That's a really important point that Sophie makes there, I think, around making sure that we're meeting the needs of the workforce behind our club. And I think it's also important that we think about how we're meeting our own needs. And in our episode around women in leadership, uh, which is episode eight of season one, if you haven't listened to it already, Sarah Waite talked really nicely around the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people who will lift you up and support you and how she has developed that network. And I think she brings that to life really nicely. For me, my my one piece of advice would be don't let anyone, you know, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it because you can. Um, and probably the people that will tell you that you can't do it or you're doing it wrong, that's, that's probably the better one, that you're not doing it right, will generally be unfortunately males because there are you, you you're just faced with more males in the grassroots game than you are females um and and so you know I, I, my advice would be to any female is don't take that don't accept it as right that their views is, is right you know you you may not get it right all the time but you know keep going keep persevering there are there are a network of of females in grassroots that that you can tap into potentially uh, you know for me I have a an unofficial network you know I know all of the my fellow females that are at similar levels to me in grassroots and, and we just connect you know Sarah can I ask you advice or I ask them for their advice because they can relate to my challenges and that's the critical thing I have don't get me wrong I have some fantastic male support um ind- individuals that support me fully um but Sometimes I don't go to them with certain issues because they can't relate to my issue. Um, and I, I, I think that, that that's the thing. So, yeah, my advice would be don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it or you're doing it wrong because you're not. A really good point there, I think, from Sarah around the importance of surrounding yourself with women who understand the challenges that you're facing and can relate to those as well. We had a really good exchange in episode three of season two, Um, between Bethan and Ella Rose and they talked about the importance of female coaches and the conversations that female coaches are able to have that maybe male coaches couldn't have Um, and also the importance of developing that female workforce in various roles both paid and voluntary and they raised some really interesting points Uh, this is probably one of my favorite exchanges from the episode. Um, I've I've been in my role for um, about eight months now and so just as the Lionesses, um, that pivotal moment in history as the Lionesses brought it home last summer. Um, and it's been it's been incredible seeing, like, helping the girls know that their place is on the pitch with us, um, especially from our standpoint. 
um, inner city girls who potentially don't have that um, access um, to football as they would in other places. So being in the place that we're at at Bloomsbury, having um, a 75 strong girls academy ranging from under sevens to under sixteens, um, and it's constantly growing, is just so incredible. And the way that we're creating that environment for our girls is through having lead coaches who are women. We do have a few men in the girls' side, but um, having female coaches, female role models for them to look up to, um, them knowing ultimately that their coaches understand them, understand what they're going through, um, can help them bringing period products, like I said, to sessions. Um, we've had some sports bar fittings with Nike, um, helping them from that Chloe Kelly moment, knowing like the importance of the sports bra, like what it can do for them and make them feel more confident on the pitch. Um, so ultimately what we're doing is creating that environment by having these role models and having these on and off pitch, um, sort of this on and off pitch help mm-hmm. um, so that they know, like I said, that their place is on the pitch, that everyone belongs playing football with us. Um, and yeah, like like I said, no one's priced out of paying, playing, um, which is something that I'm so proud to say that we do at Bloomsbury. Um, so that, yeah, every single girl is is playing if they want to be. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think from us, we're in such a, a key moment of development and growth in Wales. Um, the the growth that we're seeing currently, you know, is is far bigger and wider than than it has ever ever been before. We've got more girls playing at the younger age groups and and continuing through. Um, so we've introduced the under 19s now as well. Um, leagues in both North and South Wales as well to continue that pathway. Um, we're always continually developing our our female coaching workforce as well, and and just ensuring that every girl has an opportunity, as Ella said, um, no matter whether that's, you know, in school, out of school, whether they want to do that recreationally, whether they want to compete. Um, it's just around ensuring that there's environments for everybody um, in all different aspects of the game as well. So volunteering and not just necessarily having to be on the pitch or coaching. There's so many other roles in, in football, and that's what we're trying to get across to our teenage audience at the moment. You know, there's there's marketing, there's um, journalism, there's physios, there's sports scientists, um, and, and, and analysis. I've struggled to get that word out then. Um, but yeah, so through our, our B-Football mentoring programme um, that we've just introduced to, at the FAW as well is for, is for young females um, that are looking for a career in football. Um, and we're just offering support in terms of the different roles and how they can potentially get involved and allowing them that experience really um, to partner up with some fantastic um, female role models across the country as well to to really elevate the women's game um, and show that young girls, you know, that it's not just about playing football. There's so many opportunities out there for for women and girls um, across the whole football landscape. and just trying to reiterate that all the way through, really, all the way down to primary school to to allow them the understanding of, you know, football is there as a, as a key development tool, no matter what. Whether you just turn up to a couple of sessions, you're going to get so many life skills out of that as well that can help with your development moving forward. Role models are so important. And I'm now going to take you 
all the way back to the first ever episode of the Sports Sister podcast. So season one, episode one, I talked to Rachel Pavlo and Tina Hamilton around the importance of role models. And the first question I asked them was what they thought a positive role model looked like. And I just really love both of their responses to this question. Do you know what? A role model to me, um, I, I call them touchable idols, somebody who it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, on the screen, a big sports star. It could just be somebody at your grassroots. It's got to be somebody who's honest, who's open, who's approachable. Um, somebody who's maybe still achieving because I, I don't think anybody's the finished article. Um, and what's really great for me at grassroots, we've got three-year-old girls uh, right up to walking footballers at, at sort of 70-odd. Um, and we've had our under-sixes playing football for the first time a couple of weeks ago. And as they turned up playing the five-a-side, we had our under-16 girls playing on the 11-a-side. And one of them stopped and said, Tina, wh- why have they got the same clothes on as me? <laughs> so that, that's the mind of a child. But that's to me, that's a role model for, for that child starting then. So to me, it, it's somebody you look up to, aspire to be, and who can embrace and motivate and create what I like to call thirsty horses. You know, you can lead that horse to water, you can't make it drink, but if you can create these thirsty horses, then, you know, your jobs are good. Definitely. I think those those local role models are so important, aren't they? There's Obviously, the big aspirational role models are fantastic, and that really gives people an idea of maybe where their journey could go. But I think it's so important to have those role models who are a bit more relatable. How about you, Rach? What do you think? Yeah, you've just mentioned the word that I would use first, relatable. Um, Also, they have the lived experiences of the girls. So people, you know, those young girls look up to them and say, yeah, they, they understand me. They've had the same experiences as me. Uh, which I think are really important. And I agree with everything that Tina has said, and I'd probably add two other words, that they're really passionate about what they do um, and they're humble. You know, I think that's really important. I, I really like role models who, you know, just do just go about their their business really, really well and don't make a big scene about it all, but you just know that they're good people and they're trying the best in the circumstances that they're in and that for me is a great role model but that yeah local role models are just key for me local role models relatable role models it's so true they're so important and in episode six of season two Atia Nasmin built on this really well I thought and she shared her experiences around being a woman from an ethnic minority background in sport and how she tries to be a positive role model to the women that she's working with I'm uh, I'm from the ethnic uh, minority background, and for for us, uh, uh, for me personally, growing up, it, I always watched every sport, but it was predominantly male orientated. There was nothing for for me to watch that was. I mean, tennis tennis was something that I watched where women took part. Um, so for the ethnic minorities, it's it's been a bit of a taboo subject in my community where. When I used to play football, my neighbour used to look out through the window and then then come to my parents and say, oh, she shouldn't be doing that. That's not ladylike. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I've always been uh, the rebellious type in that. If somebody says to me, you can't do that, that based on my, my um, because I'm a girl or because because I'm, I'm Muslim or because, because of my faith or my sexual background, I feel like I have to prove them wrong. Um, so throughout my childhood, I was breaking barriers where I, where I was playing. I played locally for a football team, 
And the first time I scored was the first time they've ever scored. They used to, it was predominantly older ladies and they used to lose 21-0, 14-0. And the time, one time that I scored, um, it was like we had won the World Cup. Yeah, <laughs> 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 and, and that was a take-home story that I then took took back to school and uh, and it was read out in notices. Um, and I feel like the reason why now and I've got involved with sports. One, I was passionate. One, I was told it, it women couldn't take part. And I thought, no, I want to change that dynamic. Um, so people seeing me doing sport, has, and especially people from the ethnic minority, seeing me doing sport has, has kind of paved the way for them. Um, the first time I went to do... So, so my background is I, I do various sports. I do netball, football, uh, rounders, swimming for ladies and girls uh, in my community. Um, and I've got, uh, I work with around, uh, prior to COVID, we, we used to have around two, 250 ladies that I was working with on a weekly basis. That in- included um, a, a young boys football team as well. Um, prior, um, Post-COVID, it's kind of changed the dynamics. I think people have gone back into their comfort zones and it's it's, it's, it's about time that I got them out of their com- comfort zones. Um, but for them, it's always been, if somebody's needing it and if they can relate to you, so if they can relate to my passion or relate to the fact that I'm a hijabi, I wear a hijab, a, a headscarf, if she can do it, we can as well what a great line to finish on if she can do it we can as well and it's so true I've really enjoyed that it's been great to have the chance to go back and listen to some earlier episodes and it just shows that people are so important they're central to everything that we do they make things happen and having the right people in the right positions be that in a voluntary or professional capacity is so important and providing those role models for girls and women to aspire to, to have those conversation with, to create the networks that women need to develop professionally or in a volunteer capacity through their sporting roles is so important. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. That is the end of season two of the Sports Sister podcast. We're going to take a little break and we will be back later on in the year with season three if there are any particular guests that you want us to speak to or if there's any particular topics that you want us to discuss please let me know we're always open to ideas from people so get in touch and we will be back later in the year with season three